0: Good morning, everybody. I walked outside this morning at about 7 o'clock, and it was shockingly cold, but that's okay. It'll be warm soon, and it'll be raining, and we'll be complaining about that probably. So we've got two weeks left in our study of the Sermon on the Mount. It seemed, I don't know how many weeks it's been, but it seems like it's taken a long time, but it's been a good time. And today we're going to talk about religion versus relationship, which I think... Probably uh, confuses people at times, so hopefully today we can, we can have a little bit of clarity. So this week we'll be talking about relationships, relationships with other people, relationships with false prophets, and relationships with, relationship with Jesus. And as we think about the church, which is the body of believers of Jesus Christ, we must view church as a family. So God is our Father, and we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and everybody else is an outsider, and that sounds cruel, but, but it's true. If, if they're not in the church, they're not our brother and sister in Christ, that should be obvious to us, but we are to treat outsiders with love and kindness all the same. Remember a few weeks ago, we will run into dogs and pigs, and those are not my words, those are Jesus's words. And uh, Jesus encourages us at that time to wipe the dust from our feet and move on from uh, unholy folks. But remember I said that I think that interaction is going to be a very, very minimal interaction. So we are to love everyone until it no longer makes sense, and then we move on. We are called to love our neighbor. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, I have a whole, I'm going all the way from 12 to 23, but I'm not going to read it at once this morning. I'm going to read it in sections. Matthew chapter 7, verse 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. So in simple terms, how do you want to be treated? That's how we should be treating others. How do you all want to be treated? I want to be treated with respect. I wanna be treated with love, and I wanna be treated with kindness. And that isn't all the ways I wanna be treated, but those are three really good, good ways I wanna be treated. And I should be treating people with that same amount of love and respect. Now, I've got to repent and apologize to somebody right now in this moment because I didn't treat this man with kindness this week. Mr. Bobby Scott posted on Facebook Mr. Bobby, and he gave me a hard time this morning, so I am so glad I wrote this in. Bobby Scott posted on Facebook that his account has been hacked and that we should not accept a second friend request from him. And I told Bobby Scott that if I knew who he was the first time, I would not have accepted his friend request. And now that's just downright mean. I want people to be kind to me, but I'm mean to Bobby Scott, and I don't think he deserves that, does he? What do you all think? <laughs> and I somehow knew that was going to be the reaction, and I've got another Bobby Scott joke later, so just hang on tight. Don't fall asleep. I'm just being silly. I know Bobby, it doesn't It doesn't bother Bobby, I don't think, and that's another part of loving each other is that we sort of have to know the audience. I know that I'm not gonna offend Bobby Scott with a joke like that because I've heard him in seven months dish out a handful of them. So if he can, if he can he, he can take it, I'm pretty sure. And that's part of loving each other. We need, to, we need to know each other well enough to know what we like and what we don't like and, and where the, the leniency is in, in joking around and all that. So some people like joking around, some people don't. So we should seek to know each other well enough to know the difference. Verse 12 is regarding our relationship with other people. Whatever we do to, other, whatever we wish that others would do to us uh, do also to them. Verses 13 and 14 is regarding our relationship with Christ. Jesus goes on to say, "Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So in Jesus' description of these two paths, there are two ways, wide and narrow. Jesus says that the wide gate is easy. This would be the path of life that we see in the world. There's not much resistance. We can do whatever we want. Everybody's sort of on that path. And that path, Jesus says, leads to destruction, and many people go down this path. On the path through this wide and easy gate, there are loose morals, and there is a lack of discipline, and there's a diversity of of opinion in a way that is not good, and there is confusion, and there is unwholesome living. And who do you think is in control of this path? Tucker. Satan. The, the, the Sunday school class, I filled in for Paula this, Paula this morning, and they, they're getting a double dose of this message. So I, it's got to be good for them. Jesus says that the narrow gate is hard, but the narrow gate leads to life. And on this path through the narrow gate, there is discipline and righteousness and holiness and relationship with God. And we know that God is in command of this path. So the narrow gate is difficult. Why Why does the Bible say that it's difficult? Well, the narrow, the narrow gate requires discipline. Now, who in this building thinks discipline is easy? Not me. So... Jesus knows our sinful nature. He knows that to be disciplined is hard for us. That's why I think he says that this narrow, this narrow gate is difficult. So on the wide and easy gate, you don't have to give up a whole lot to fit through uh, the gate on this path. You can take everything with you on the, on the wide gate. Take all your worldly possessions, buy some more stuff along the way, live for yourself, watch out for yourself, and forget about everybody else. You do you on this wide and easy gate. I had YOLO written in, but I took it out. You only live once. That would be on the wide and easy gate. But on the narrow gate, you have to become small to fit through. You have to give up some things to fit through. You have to starve yourself of yourself to fit through. You have to give up possessions sometimes to get through. You have to give up habits to get through. You have to give up friends at times to get through. Sometimes, this is a difficult one, you have to give up family to get through. We have to look for this gate to find it. And according to John Stott, this gate is easy to miss, but following Christ, it's not an easy path. He says it himself, but it's the right path. In John chapter 10, verses one through 11, Jesus writes something that confuses the people at the time, But then he goes on to clarify. So it's probably going to confuse you as I read it, but be patient because Jesus will clear it up. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he is brought All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So Jesus is saying, go through the narrow gate, which is his path. That's the path of Jesus to have life. Many people go through the wide and easy gate. Why do they do that? Because it's easy, and we all want what's easy, right? We shouldn't. So according to Jesus, there are only two ways, easy or hard, and according to Jesus, there are only two destinations, destruction or life. So what have you chosen? What are you choosing? Hopefully, you are choosing the difficult and narrow gate that leads to life, because this is the only option to be in relationship with the Lord. Remember, we're talking about relationship versus religion. So keep that in your mind as I continue to talk relationship versus religion. The next section from Jesus' sermon is about false prophets. This passage is where we get the phrase, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Has anybody heard that one? A wolf in sheep's clothing. It says, Beware of false prophets in verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So if Jesus is telling us that there will be false prophets, it must mean that they exist and I do believe that they do. I think they're easy to well they're not easy to see all the time, but I can think of some examples. Think about the illustrat- think about a wolf, a literal wolf in sheep's clothing, like a perfect sheep costume. Now we have a couple shepherds in here. We've got Bob Maurer and Betsy and um, Sandra, do you have sheep? Have a couple sheep, don't you? What would a wolf what would a wolf do to a sheep population? So think about sheep in a big circle and a wolf kind of roaming around the outside of that population it would cause problems but how much more of a problem would it be if that wolf could disguise itself as a healthy sheep it could get that much closer it could get that much more intimate and then throw the clothing off and attack remember a few uh, weeks back jesus gave us the illustration of dogs and pigs as unholy well, it's easy to recognize an unholy person. They're 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 everywhere. Uh, we were once unholy people, uh, so they look similar to the way that we used to look. It's not easy to recognize a wolf in sheep's clothing, and this is the danger. A couple of years ago, at our old uh, at the church we came from, this man showed up, and I don't feel bad talking about this man because it wasn't good. but this man showed up and he looked like John Piper. He had kind of a tall white man with white hair. He just, uh, he, he, you know, he showed up out of nowhere. Nobody knew who he was. And, and he looked, he looked really holy. You know, he's raising his hands and he's shaking, he's meeting everybody and greeting everybody. And the preacher would be preaching and he would say, amen. And the preachers were, you know, we want a little encouragement. So he, 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 they really liked him being there like, who the heck is this guy? Where did he come from? And, and that went on for a month or two until he decided to kind of get, uh, I don't know exactly what he did and I don't need to know, but I think he was kind of getting a little stalkerish with some women or something. And they said, oh no, 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 we're not doing that. You go back to wherever it was you came from. And uh, so in my, in my life, that guy was a example of a wolf in sheep's clothing. He was predatory. He was coming in for a reason that wasn't wholesome. He was trying to look one way when he was actually another way. So that is dangerous. And the greatest example in the the modern world that I can think of um, as an overwhelming false prophet is the pastor of the the five-fold church. And I think you'll understand what I mean when I tell you this. The church that she pastors keyword she here, is in Los Angeles, California. Okay, so the Bible tells us that pastor should be a man, right? Not a female. So that's strike number one. This lady calls herself Apostle Catherine Crick, and she has about one million TikTok followers. Now, keep in mind, as I tell you this, we're talking about false prophets, people that are trying to to appear holy, and they're doing something for their own uh, ambitions or whatever. So this lady has a million TikTok followers, and close to 10 million views on YouTube, and uh, these videos, somebody sent me this, uh, it was actually Riley that was here from Australia, he sent me this and said look at this mess, and I clicked on it, and this lady's, she's got this huge crowd of people, I mean thousands and thousands of people in a stadium, and she's casting demons out, and people are vomiting in buckets, and bending over backwards, and crawling around on the ground, and all this mess, and uh, it's hard to watch, and for just a blip of a second, I thought about showing the video in here, and I was like, "That's not a good idea, Tink. Don't do that, because it, it, it's not. It's really not easy to watch. It's it's a it's laughable, sort of, but um, it's a disgrace to the church. It's a mocker, and she's doing all these things in Jesus's name. So she's bringing all these people in under the guise of Christ, and then doing it for TikTok and and views and money. And this is the ultimate wolf in sheep's clothing that, that Jesus talks about. John Stott says this about false teachers. He says, false teachers don't announce and advertise themselves as spreaders of lies. On the contrary, they claim to be teachers of the truth. Not only do they fiend piety, I had to Google how to pronounce both of those words last night, fiend piety, but they often use the language of historic orthodoxy in order to win acceptance from the gullible, while meaning by by it something quite different, something destructive of the very truth they pretend to hold. They might also hide behind the cover of high-sounding titles and impressive academic degrees." So this leads me to the next part of Jesus' sermon. Jesus has a word of wisdom for people like Catherine Crick who are making a mockery of Him, and I don't know how she would read this and not understand this. Verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then... Well, I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So I think I read that last week, and I said that's one of the scariest verses that I can think of in the Bible, that Jesus would say to somebody who claimed to be a believer that I didn't know who who you were. And I'm sorry that I'm kicking this Catherine Crick lady, but if we claim to be followers of Jesus and members of his church and we see that disaster, we should call it out. For what it is, so I'm really not sorry, but I don't want to. I don't want to feel uh, like I'm coming off as aggressive to that to that lady, but it, she's mocking she's mocking the name of Jesus, in my opinion, and I don't I don't much care for that. So it's not too late for her to turn it around, but she better hurry up. Is what I'm saying. This false prophecy, casting out demons, performing miracles in Jesus' name—these are radical examples of uh, what Jesus says. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But what about us? I don't know any of y'all casting demons out of anybody. I don't know anybody that's performing miracles. I, you know, we 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 don't do these things. I I haven't seen anybody speaking in tongues yet. And so I'm not doing these things. You all aren't doing these, these things. So what's the danger for us in these verses? What is the danger for us? Think again, religion versus relationship. What is the danger for us? I'm gonna get a drink of water before I make you all mad in a second. Hang on. What is the danger for us? The biggest danger for the church is showing up week after week and singing the songs and praying the prayers and thinking that we are good because of it. Church, att- church attendance is not a relationship with God. Singing a song is not a relationship with God. These things are good things and they're a part of a relationship with God. But without faithful obedience to the Word of God and fully seeking to do His will in all things in all areas of our lives, I fear that Jesus might call us lukewarm and spit us out. Lukewarm, spit you out, what's the preacher talking about? That's how I wrote that and I thought that was stupid. But I decided you all would laugh and I like to hear you all laugh, so I said it. Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16 says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That is, Those are the words of Jesus. If you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Our problem is not casting out demons. Our problem is not false prophecy. Our problem is not speaking in tongues. And this is the part where I'm going to accuse all of us, of several things in just a second. And when I do it, know that I am guilty of most of them myself. So you can be mad if you want, but I do them too. So our problem is that we are spiritually lazy. Our problem is that we don't cling to the word of God like we should. Our problem is that we let culture and technology rule the day. Anybody feeling any of these yet? Our problem is that we focus on more on work more and more than we focus on deepening our faith. Here comes the one where people get angry. Our problem is that we focus more on our kids' layup or fastball or golf swing or country ham or academics or piano lessons or personal comforts than we focus on leading them to the Lord. Our ultimate problem is a two-letter word. Our ultimate problem is us. We are our problem. We put ourselves first before the Almighty God. We focus on our personal desires and leave God on the back burner until the smoke alarm goes off. And then we are reminded when we see the smoke of our foolishness. So here I am today, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to alarm you. Don't wait until the smoke alarm starts ringing. Put God first every day. And again, I'm guilty of most of that list. So. Sorry if you're offended. I offended myself. But it's not offensive. It's honest. So he called the church of Laodicea lukewarm in Revelation and he said he wanted to spit them out. He said there would be many that claimed to know him but wouldn't actually be known by him and these are scary thoughts. It's easy, it's really easy to show up here for an hour a week and sing the songs and and get to know people and laugh and, and all that but that's just one hour in a whole week. And there's 168 hours in a week. And if you sleep eight hours a day, which most of us don't, that takes away 56 hours. And that math leads you to 112. You've got 112 waking hours in a week. So if you're here for one hour a week, that's 1% of the time. It's actually .8, I rounded up. You're here 1% of the time for this illustration. I'm gonna pick on the married people. Who's married? Okay. Okay. I'm gonna give Dell a break this week. I'm going back to Bobby on this one. Bobby, if you spent one hour a week of that 112 with Cheryl, do you think she would enjoy that? She probably would. That's why I should have chosen someone else for this example. The point is this, we can't spend one hour a week with those that we love and expect things to be healthy. God wants more from us and for us than that one hour of religion. Remember, we're talking about religion versus relationship. We can't spend one hour a week with those that we love and expect things to go well. Showing up to church to say uh, that you went and checking the box is a mark of religion. Jesus does not want our religion. He wants what he wants a relationship you might be sitting here saying but i go to church on wednesdays and sundays give yourself a round of applause you spend two percent of your time with the lord and i'm guilty of this too i go to church on sundays and wednesdays and then for three days or three weeks you know intermittently i turn that relationship off i just turn the volume down and i turn my volume up okay that is not good that is religion not relationship Jesus wants our undivided attention. Not 1% of the time, not 2% of the time. He wants us all the time. His Word says He wants us to pray without ceasing. He wants us to be devoted to the Word. And my aim this morning is not to offend. It is to sound the alarm. Our religion is not good enough. Most of the time, it's not even good. Jesus has called us to a relationship with Him. So as we leave here today, go back out. I think it's warming up. But as we leave here today... We need to ask ourselves a series of questions. How are you, this will be, these would be good things to write in your notes if you take notes. How are you cultivating this relationship with Him outside of the walls of this church? You have responsibility. If we believe that this is the actual Word of God, which I hope we do, we should open this book up every single day. That's, primary, that's of primary importance to your relationship with God. How are you cultivating this relationship with Him outside of the walls of this church? What are you doing to draw close to the Lord on your own time? Are you one person on Sunday and a different person on Monday? Do you really have the desire to be in relationship with God, or is it a mere game to play or a box to check? Sincerely ask yourself these questions today as you leave here. Don't just sit here and not respond. Repent of your selfishness if this is you. And and really I think if we're being honest, it's all of us. You know, it's me. I'm I'm the one preaching it and it's me. I'm maybe I'm a 3%er or a 4%er, but there's times where I am a 0%er and that is it's a good place to be to recognize that because it, the Holy Spirit calls us to turn from that, repent and and carry on and we're all going to go through seasons of that, but we really we need to be aware oh my goodness, it's been five days and I haven't thought one thing about the Lord that I claim. Okay, that, that's a good, that is a good thought. That's a healthy thought spiritually. But you got to turn and make a change. So do you really have the desire to be in a relationship with God or is it a game to play or a box to check? This is me openly repenting right now in this moment. I'm guilty of every accusation that I've spewed today. And I am sorry, Bobby, that I said your name so many times in this sermon. I love you. I like laughing with you. I might need to borrow your truck again. so. (laughs) It's a good thing that the God that we serve is a merciful God and gives us the opportunity to repent. So if this is you, if you're a zero percenter, get on the horse and and start walking with Jesus. If you're a one percenter, seek Jesus at home on Mondays and Tuesdays. and Come here on Wednesdays. You can at least be part of the 2% club, okay? But this is not a box of check, and I'm not making i I'm not being silly. Singing the psalms at the church are good. Showing up is great, but church isn't what saves you. Jesus is what saves you. A relationship with Jesus is what saves you. When you have the relationship with Jesus, then church becomes important. But primarily, we can't, we can't. I hear people say all the time, "Well, my church is up in the deer woods or on the mountain." You're not in tune with Scripture if that is your church. You need to be with a local body of believers. So church is a good thing. Singing is a good thing. Praying with other believers is a good thing. All these things are good things. But without an ongoing personal relationship with Jesus, that stuff means nothing. So just really analyze where you're at today as, uh, as we think about religion versus relationship and do whatever it is that you have to do to... Uh, to cultivate that relationship with Him better. And if you need help with that, I need help with that. I need your all's help with that. There's gonna be times where I'm gonna to have to take a break from teaching Wednesday nights because I need to hear words from somebody other than my own blabbering mouth because I get tired of hearing myself. Every, I, I, every week I think, oh my gosh, they've got to be getting tired of me by now, but I've only been here six months. I told y'all I was staying for 40 years. That's a long time. I don't know if I have that much material. I know I have that much material. I don't know if I have that much energy. We'll find out, I guess. But just, just know where you're at with the Lord. Seek to know where you're at with the Lord and, and turn from yourself and move towards Him. Okay? That's what we're going to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I'm grateful for Your Word. And if you really study the world, the, the, the status of the world right now, there are countries that don't have it. If we know that the Word of God is the primary way to understand the will of God, it is heartbreaking to know that there's countries in Africa and there's countries in, in um, Europe. I don't know where. I'm making stuff up now. But there's countries that don't have your Word. There's places and people groups that don't have your Word, and they are lost. They don't even have an option. They don't know who you are, And uh, but we have it. And we can open it. We can open it on Mondays. We can open it on Tuesdays. We can open it all the time and seek to understand you. And uh, just let us not be a, a people that think showing up here is good. You call our good works in the book of Isaiah filthy rags. And uh, it is a filthy rag if, if we think that showing up here for an hour a week is doing much of anything for us. There's, there's far more ways to be in relationship with you. And I just pray that in myself, especially that that I do that, I, I practice what I preach, and uh, I just pray that if there's anybody here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, that they that they ask a question today, or they or they come forward and uh, say I am totally lost and I don't want to be. Uh, I just pray that the Holy Spirit just grabs a hold of this place and grabs a hold of all of us, even even the people that have shown up here for for their whole life. I mean. We can all do better to know and understand you on a daily basis. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.